0: De slachtoffer te zijn geworden van het Nederlandse bombardement op Hawija in 2015 heeft een schadeclaim bij het ministerie van Defensie ingediend. Sommigen van hen verloren bij de aanval op de Iraakse stad familieleden en anderen liepen zelf letsel op. Toen afgelopen oktober bekend werd hoeveel burgerslachtoffers bij de Nederlandse actie waren gevallen, beloofde minister Bijleveld van Defensie de mogelijkheid tot schadevergoeding te onderzoeken. Maar de groep Irakezen wil daar niet op wachten en heeft nu dus zelf een claim ingediend. Het aantal coronapatiënten op de intensive care afdelingen is met 57 afgenomen tot 804 en 28 van hen liggen in Duitsland. Volgens Ernst Kuipers, voorzitter van het Landelijk Netwerk Acute Zorg, lijkt de andere geplande zorg weer op gang te komen. Op de verschillende IC-afdelingen liggen nu 431 niet-coronapatiënten. Volgens Kuipers is de afgelopen dagen ook het verschil in drukte tussen de regio's afgenomen. Het aantal coronadoden in ons land steeg vandaag met 145 naar in totaal 4711. En het kabinet heeft het Outbreak Management Team gevraagd om te bekijken of mondkapjes in het openbaar vervoer moeten worden verplicht. Een aantal landen heeft de mondmaskertjes in het OV al verplicht gesteld om het coronavirus te voorkomen. De voor- en nadelen ervan in trein, tram, bus of metro worden nu onderzocht. Nu is het OV in ons land vooral bedoeld voor mensen die in cruciale beroepen werken, zoals de zorg. De vervoerscapaciteit is flink beperkt vanwege de anderhalve meter afstandmaatregel. Het weer kans op regen en de waait een matig aan de kustkrachtige zuidwestenwind. Vannacht is het bewolkt bij een graad of negen. Morgenochtend is er kans op regen, maar smiddags is het meest droog bij 12 tot 16 graden. Tot zover het radio nieuws. U luistert naar Echt TV Maastricht.
1: One just to shock you see he left us the sun
2: This is Rafa speaking, SRM on Air, RTV Maastricht 107.5. We are talking about Freedom. The song that you just listened to was Pharrell Williams. And the song was called Make a Guess, Freedom, um, which we will be talking extensively about today. And with me in the studio, we have Sashid. What's up? And uh, Meow, I
3: believe. Hi, thank you for having me.
2: Yes, our very special politically inclined guest. So we talked about freedom, I think, four months ago during like the freedom episode. We touched upon the basics, like what, what uh, rights do we have? Are we truly free with our personal life, professional life as well? So today we want to continue on that um, in relation to Corona. Did it reignite the topic? Yeah,
4: um, I think the corona crisis has kind of reignited the entire discussion around freedom. But uh, let's kind of get back a little bit and talk about what kinds of freedom there are.
3: So, meow, what kind of freedoms exist? What can you tell us? Well, basically, in order to understand what freedom is, we really need to explore the concept. And I think it can be more or less broken down in two categories, two types of freedoms. All right. The first type is freedom of so freedom of expression, freedom of uh, expressing your gender uh, orientation, freedom of this, freedom of that. But an- the second type of freedom is freedom from. Freedom right. from being poor, freedom from being unemployed, freedom from not having healthcare, etc., etc. And th- throughout the 20th century, we see very conflicted understandings of which type of freedom is more valuable. So, for example, if you look into the Western capitalist world, they always focused on freedom of but at the end of the day, society sank in poverty. There was a lot of poverty in European societies and even uh, yeah, Western societies in general. While, for example, the, the, the more socialist countries focused on freedom uh, from poverty, lack of healthcare. They provided, let's say, public, uh, public-led economies and stuff like that. Yes. And uh, these, I think, pretty much are two ways of understanding freedom, Indeed. kind of intertwined as well.
4: They are kind of intertwined, but I think uh, one form takes precedence in these declarations of human rights, which have become kind of the cornerstone of the 20th century. What do you think about that?
3: Well, I think uh, that for large amount of time, uh, the those declarations were more concerned with freedom of. I think so too. So yeah. if there is a country that doesn't have free speech, that's a violation on human rights. Yes. But it was not very much in the consciousness of those declarations. That's right. That's right. Poverty can also be a violation to human rights. Then yeah. lack of access to education because you're poor is also a violation of human rights and contributes to it. Yeah. So that was added only later, I think, into yeah. the declarations.
4: Yeah, and I think here we can make a distinction between um, a more individualist uh, view of human rights and a more um, community-based view of human rights. Because uh, the first kind, the kind that is uh, that is well liberally based, talks about what a human being can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. And the other is a situation and uh, the other mostly is concerned with the situation in which this human being finds
3: themselves. Yeah. And it's really one without the other is very incomplete and that is the whole thing. It's not completely embracing the communitarian and negating the individual yeah. but it's also not the other way.
4: Yeah. And I think in uh, in practice we de- we generally tend to find that states have a compromise between the two some of one and some of the other. I don't think there exists any state well there might exist a few states that have um, rights of one kind without the other kind, but in most in most places which we would call, you know, well, more or less ballots politically with a, um, let's say, democratic system or a, or a communist system that is not, well, tyrannical, um, there is a balance, there is a compromise with some some individual freedoms and some freedoms from. And in this case, some freedoms from are curtailed and some freedoms of are also curtailed to arrive at stability, uh, social stability.
3: Yeah, like kind of a a cost benefit type of thing. They're always portrayed as contradictory. You have to give away some liberty to obtain equality or you have to give away equality to have liberty. But as one anarchist once said, Freedom without equality is the jungle. Equality without freedom is prison, and we want neither the jungle nor the prison. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful quote. Uh, meow. Um,
4: I'd like to ask Rafa what he thinks so far of the discussion. Rafa?
2: Well, what I think is that I'm a political potato. That's why I always let you guys talk. It's fantastic. Though I did have some insight, like when we talked about the jungle and prison reference, right? Um, we touched upon that Lightly in our original freedom episode, because you asked me, also asked me a question, keep embarrassing me on the radio. Uh, but the question was, uh, so the question was about like whether we are truly free, and like yeah, the conclusion more or less is that there is always a trade-off, right? Like you cannot have one or another, uh, one without another. So yeah, that's my input. <laughs> I would ask for a freedom from f- further embarrassment, and the song is by the Golden Gospel Singers, and it's. Oh Freedom
1: Oh Freedom Oh Freedom Oh Freedom Over me And before i be a slave I'll be buried my grave and go home to my Lord and be free oh.
4: Welcome back to SRM On Air. Uh, and the track you just heard was "Oh Freedom by the Golden Gospel Singers. Was it actually a slave song? I uh, believe it was.
3: It's really nice. It's very empowering actually. Indeed, yeah. Yeah.
4: There is something about music and, you know, its transmission of, uh, what did you call it? You had uh, said something about how music transmits a lived experience.
3: Yeah, yeah. It tries to transmit a living experience that people have gone through. Yeah, And also music can be the subject of Gentrification, if you want to call it that yes, way, or like very true. complete adaption that distorts the original message of the genre of art or why the, 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 the song was written or made. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to the topic of freedom.
4: Um, I think um, our guest here Mew, had mentioned um, the, the two kinds of freedom the last time. And uh, we were heading towards the question of whether a synthesis of the two kinds is possible. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Um, Because, well, I mean, both models have their problems, right? You have, uh, on one hand, you have no personal liberties. And on the other hand, you don't fix the large societal problems.
3: Yes. Yes. I think what we agree on is that one without the other is completely meaningless. Absolutely. In some countries you have the liberty to be whoever you want to be. But for example, uh, you have to uh, go to the military in order to afford education. Exactly. People are coerced into this type of situation because of their lack of finances. So how does that even count as liberty anymore? When yes. your course of action is influenced by the fact that you don't have money, you're poor, etc. Exactly. Et exactly.
4: If you're forced to make an economic decision, then you've lost a significant, say, a personal liberty. Especially when your economic decision results in, well, something like imperialism. But it could also end up in, you know, well, exploitation. What if you're first forced to work as a coal miner and you know that what you're doing damages the environment? Yeah. Or destroys a forest. So um, uh, basically a system of personal liberty that does not allow for, well, freedom to choose your profession, let's say, or freedom to, you know, freedom from bonded labor. Yeah. 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 That doesn't really embody personal liberty at all.
3: No, exactly. Exactly. On point. And uh, I think at some point also, we have tried to address this synthesis somehow, but I think it's also left a lot up to the people themselves to decide. Up to those who implement it. Exactly.
4: That never goes well. Yeah. History is a record of that. Yeah,
3: exactly, exactly.
4: And uh, I'd like to ask you (coughs) about the uh, current Corona crisis. Um, I have many thoughts about this, but I'd first like to ask you as our esteemed guest, what do you think the corona crisis has brought to the fore regarding this discussion about
3: personal freedom? It has brought many interesting things to start with. I think...
4: I think so too, yeah.
3: yeah. You know, there has been a lot of discussion on this, the state and the role of the state in society. The exactly state starts thinking, intervening yeah. more. You can really visibly see how powerful the state is on normal circumstances. This is a little bit more... Hidden, I think. It's hidden in plain sight. Nobody cares to see. Yes. But when the state says nobody on the streets and in two days no one is on the streets, then it really hits you. Then you really see that actually the state is the most powerful actor in our society today. Absolutely. And then you ask yourself the question, can we actually do without the states? Because the state does miracles when it comes to combating uh, uh, the coronavirus. The crisis management, yeah. The crisis management, exactly. Maybe we we don't think that it's very good, but do we know of any other qualified actor who can be doing this job?
4: Can you you imagine any grassroots entity creating this kind of, you know, lockdown situation? I don't think it's possible.
3: Not really. Arranging ventilators in a global market. Yeah, masks. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of an argument in favor of... The states, because if it would not for the states, things would have gone really bad. Exactly, it's yeah.
4: uh, it it shows the let's say the advantages of an authoritarian system.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: Rafa, do you have any thoughts on this matter?
2: Yeah, just one. Um, because you are saying that the, I agree that there is no other actor that could potentially pull off. You said the grassroots organization, but like what kind of the the thought that popped up in my head is that don't you think that? The actual actor or like the, the reason the actor has the power is actually the money, the resources. Because the grassroots organization could also provide ventilators. They just like buy it from another country, right? So my point, guys? It's not just
4: money. It's also force. Uh, the state has a, mon- a monopoly on violent force. And that's that's basically the implementation mechanism. I mean, yes, the state has money. The state has money through the taxation system. But um, private companies also have money. But the power to enforce its rules, we we have given up to the
3: state. Executive power. And in that way also you can see it as a form of deprivation. Mm -hmm. We don't need to end up in a scenario where the, 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 the government is not cooperating well with the local communities or the federal governments. And that's why they're doing a horrible job in managing the crisis because everything was just heavily reliant on the state and the government. The people never learned... Another alternative so yeah. doing it differently. And that's really a paradox. Indeed. Because on the one hand, you wanna live in a society that doesn't need food banks, but in a society that does and there are no food banks, that's also bad. Yeah. What yeah. we're
4: seeing right now is this paradox of self-reliance in an authoritarian system. Aye. I mean the the more the, the stronger authority, the authority that you accept, uh, the weaker self-reliance gets, the, the the weaker smaller communities get. Yeah. And um I think we would all agree that um in a time like this, the community could play a huge role in cooperation with a larger authority we you don't need to have one or the other but um and in fact, I think where we have strong communities, we do have them play a, play a huge role. Rafa, you want to add something to
2: this? Well, shortly before we jump to the song in regards to the community being more involved like yes the the, the topic actually came during our previous live stream, well, one of the previous live streams by Luna, we are talking about schooling systems and somehow we went through the poverty as well. And what we thought is that, for example, you would have universal basic income provided, right? For many people it means that like our argument against it is that people get lazy, you know, and, and whatnot. But truth being said is that people would actually get choice to... Uh, Well, to choose which jobs they go for and there will be still jobs that are necessary, like people who take out the trash and whatever, you know. Um, So then the role of community would actually become more, you know, more important in that sense, you know. Um, We're going to follow up on this during the next block, Um, guys, do you you know what's the title of the next song? Um, Freedom? Well, close, it's Vrijheid, which is freedom in Dutch and the song is by Lisbeth List, fantastic one. So guys, see you during the next block. Again, this is Rafa speaking, still in RTV Maastricht, 107.5, SRM on Air. Um, The song you just listened to was "Vrijheid," so Freedom, in Dutch, by Lisbeth List. And we would like to move from the previous discussion more towards the capitalism. And I think Meow had something to say about it. Yeah, just as a follow-up from
3: our last conversation
2: on the role of the
3: state during the corona crisis, one of the things that this corona COVID-19 outbreak shows is that there is some sort of lack of willingness on the parts of states to partake in uh, other social issues, for example, climate change, because it was questioned sometimes whether we have the capacity to kick something off But in fact, it seems that we do have the capacity and we are very powerful to enforce stuff because it's very decisive for everybody, because everybody feels it. But we're not that serious when it comes to climate change. And that is the crisis of willingness. Why are states, nation states, not willing to put much effort into combating climate change as the effort we're putting to do something about COVID-19? Why do you think this is the case? Well, COVID nineteen um, started here again.
4: Uh, COVID nineteen hits everybody's baselines. You know, COVID nineteen is a huge fucking impact to the economy. Climate change is not, 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 not on such a short timescale. You don't have people going home sick and, and on ventilators because of climate change. Climate change is obviously the bigger, you know, mm, problem on the long term. And if you kind of integrate the problems integrate the losses due to climate change over years, you will have much greater losses than any single epidemic. But just because they're not visible on a quarterly year report, climate change is not dealt with. It's it's the capitalist problem, really. It's capitalism. The problem of capitalism.
3: And yeah. do you think this can go on? Uh, what do you mean? Can it persist, actually, in the future? Is it somehow sustainable to have this? Mm, the
4: problem here is, I, I like how you phrased it, because you have phrased it as a crisis of willingness. And uh, as we discussed earlier, uh, the authoritarian state, well, we can call it reasonably authoritarian state that we have right now that is doing more or less a decent job in most countries uh, with the COVID-19 crisis, um, is a capitalist state. Mm. And we have given it, we have willingly given it the power to rule over our our lives, save us from an epidemic, but we have also unwittingly uh, given it the power to uphold the capitalist economy. Mm-hmm. And uh, one might argue that we are so- in some countries transitioning towards more or less mixed economies, mm-hmm. but um, I don't really buy that because if you see the large scale motion of most ca- countries and legislature, they are not, for instance, uh, battling climate change as you said. They're not. They're, they're not strongly promoting workers' rights and you know uh, livable wages. Yeah. So you still see see economies. Um, and the governments that regulate them in the grips of the capitalist model. You see business owners accruing more and more capital. You see landowners accruing more and more land. And uh, workers
3: suffer, you know. Yes. And this is one also very strange contradiction somehow about capitalism because the main source of wealth where capitalism extracts money, how money is being made, labor has to be involved. Yes. But it seems that the more money is being made... The more labor is being impoverished, mm-hmm. which means that they cannot afford what is being produced anymore. Indeed, and at some point, you have an immense amount of wealth, private wealth created, but there are no purchasers. So the system is diminishing the very thing that is its source of value. Well, it's not. It's not as simple as the fact that there are no purchases, and this is this is
4: the problem of the middle class, right? The middle class who. Um, does not really um, partake in the kind of labor which diminishes.
3: Mm.
4: Which the, it's not exploited just as much, and it is paid pretty handsomely. It's the privileged middle class that is educated and can get all these cushy jobs, really, you know, f- comfortable jobs. They are the big spenders, they and the, and the bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie themselves are also big spenders. Um, so what happens is the labor class in most um, modern Western societies is kind of invisible. Because as soon as you think of the people who are not the, the the property owners, not the bourgeoisie, you think of the middle class because they are the ones populating our cities. Yeah, The labor class is either invisible or the labor is exported to another place. Mm-hmm. You have entire countries relying upon labor from, well, non-Western places. So it's um, you could say that this crisis has become much more difficult to detect Given the current global, um, what do you call it? The, the structures. Given the current state of global neo- neoliberalism, would you like to say about this uh, something about this, Rafa?
2: Yeah, I always get like the the tiny et last bits of the talk. I'm, I'm also enamored by like what you guys have to say. Um, don't get me wrong; I'm not complaining here. I'm just stating a fact. Um, what I wanted to refer is that uh, when you ask about the sustainability of the system and like how. Uh, how the working class is invisible, well, yeah, that's that's the main issue because what Corona actually um, showed in the first place, like it's not that um, those rules in regarding climate change, for example, it's not that they couldn't have been approved or like applied. Uh, or, or like countries were saying that like there's no money for it. What Corona has shown that there's actually massive amounts of money like out there, you know, so like that's why um, we are asking these questions now more than ever because if anything, like just like the actual power and the actual amounts have been exposed. So like you can have a lockdown, you can provide like basic income, you can provide all these things. So again, the willingness, huh? Um, yeah, I would have had like probably like half a points like now that I got in onto my OCD mode, but like let's stop it. In his trucks. Um, the next song is going to be Paddy and the Rats and the song's name, Sashit? I'm not going to guess. Well, take a wild guess. Could it be Freedom? Never heard a song
4: like that before.
2: Well, I've never heard of Freedom, huh? But let's listen what Paddy and the Rats have to say. Thank you. Hello again, this is Rafa speaking. Um, the song you just listened to, Make a Guess, was Freedom by Paddy and the Rats. Um, with the previous blog, we talked about capitalism, about its lack of willingness to yeah, address issues, and how the actual capability to address them was exposed because of Corona, because of the lockdown, and whatnot. Um, I started talking about working class. You asked, uh, Meow, you asked about. Uh, is it sustainable, right? I mean, sustainable is like kind of an overused keyword. I hate it just as uh, mindfulness and like the what's the other well-being? Synergy. Synergy. Um, So in relation to that, I just wanted to start and finish like my point. Um, Talking about working class, the biggest problem is that uh, those are the people without any rights, you know? So often you have like the poorest like working class um, having the shittiest contracts whatnot. And people are always arguing that you can Negotiate your contract, that's bullshit. If you have no power, then you cannot, you, you either take it or leave it because there's 10 other families that are gonna do it, right? And the problem with the sustainability of the, of the capitalism is that if you have the fam- if, if you have the poor working class building it up, it, this resource is ad infinitum, you know? You have working class essentially breeding in breeding pens like cows, you know, there's gonna be always like more of them. You provide them with basic necessities on the edge often or like even below the line because they are just so desperate to survive they are going to do anything, right? So in that case, like human resources are potentially infinite. Um, the other case for uh, sustainability of, uh, of capitalism is actually limited resources, but that's a completely different topic, you know? So your opinion now?
3: Well, I think Karl Marx once said before that capitalism, what capitalism does, it ruins its two most important sources of value. And that's labor and nature. And that's that's also where the role of imperialism comes in and plays a very big role. Because as you mentioned before, also Sajid, that this exploitation gets outsourced. We have a class... Uh, society on the level of countries but also we have a class society on the level of worlds among countries some yes. countries are upper class others mid class others uh, uh, proletariat type of countries even if they do have rich people the concept of class gets very globalized as well and that's how it ex- exploitation gets exported
4: internationalized Yeah. yeah yeah And here I'm beginning to see uh, the debate, the common debate about the end of capitalism, so to speak, where one side believes that uh, capitalism will burn itself out, I believe. And the other side calls for violent revolution. So, meow, which side would you stand for today?
3: Today I'm taking the form of the more historical perspective. Okay which really goes into the direction of capitalism digs its own grave. Okay. Capitalism is going to kill itself, okay. inevitably. That's the most likely scenario, I think. And what is, the, what is the strongest argument for that position? Well, I think I would say that capitalism is one of the most, if it's the most efficient and advanced system humanity has ever known. It can mobilize access yeah. to resources that is absolutely immense. Yes. The political structures that we have, I think, still fall behind in terms of power to be able to bring capitalism under control. It has just become so globalized, deeply entrenched everywhere, that it's hard to conceptualize how social movements. ...can still destroy it. Especially that nowadays... ...social movements are ever more fragmented. If we're talking about globalized capitalism... ...then we need to talk about... ...globalized understanding of politics. And as we are all knowing... ...that in a lot of Western countries... ...there is no understanding of the struggle... ...that goes on elsewhere... ...in working class countries... ...such as Middle Eastern countries... ...some countries in Southeast Asia... ...or Africa, Latin America... Those are places where real struggle can develop against capitalism, because these are the working class, third world, impoverished part of the world. But you cannot build that global consciousness. This idea of workers of all countries unite mm. is a little bit too naive, perhaps. I think it is, it is optimistic,
4: I would give you that. But I think today I'd like to argue from that perspective. And um, the reason I am thinking this way is because of what uh, Rafa said earlier which is that the supply of labor is, is essentially infinite. I mean, uh, look at the last century and the rise in global population. And uh, I think we all have noted this trend of um, the poorer places in the world uh, reproducing at a faster rate. Development brings about a, slowed, a slowdown in the growth rate. So what you eventually have is an ever-expanding pool of potential labor class employees. So, in 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 with that in mind, what you have is essentially an endless labor pool for ca- for capitalists to exploit, and and unless unless you have the labors, uh, laborers laborers self organized, they will always always be repressed.
3: Yes, um, I think in terms of labor being organized, this is certainly important because you also want to make sure that you defend what you got, at yep. least. But the conception of labor organizing to destroy capitalism. Yes. That's a very different conception because even things that traditionally have been considered a victory to the labor, for example, an an increase in salaries or social securities, can also be seen as a form of the ruling class pacifying the rest of society with a little bit of reforms so that they wouldn't rebel even more. So there's always new ways to the system to actually jump to a new chapter. Yeah, also exactly. through crises, economic crises, which yeah. kind of develop the system constantly mm-hmm. in a way that makes fighting against it just absolutely impossible. It can adopt yeah. anything in any revolution. So it really has to, it's just heading towards the cliff and it's going to fall off the cliff. Nobody will push it off the cliff, I think.
4: Well, I'm not as optimistic as you. Meow. But um, well, let's talk about it a little more after the break. Uh, Rafa, can you tell us what what song the next one is? Please don't say it's
2: freedom. No, freedom. Um, no, it is freedom. Actually, it's by Rebel Diaz. It's Libertad, which is freedom in Spanish, I believe.
1: When you're la... Like that is the remedy. Revolution in the pedigree of every history. A legal alien, but not an extraterritory. Luchó por la libertad, sí, 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 sí. Si no me la dan, tendrá que preparar el contraataque. Luchó por con la libertad, sí, 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 sí. Sé si que pelea, peleamos, peleamos. Si sé que lucha, luchamos, luchamos. Sueño con la. I can't conform. co-opted and boxed and break out of that loan. Gonzalo, uno, puño, arriba, día a día, no es solo consigna. I see all my people, we locked in the cage. Get free in the spirit when we working for change, Now, nah. If you a freedom fighter, real rider, organize young little panther, type three times sí. If you want freedom, fight a real right?
3: The song was by Rebel Diaz, Libertad. Thank you, Mew, and
4: welcome our listeners to our last segment here. I'm Sajid speaking on SRM live on air. Um, following on from our previous discussion, meow, I would like to make a strong final point in support of my view, as always. Um, the Corona crisis has brought up a significant discussion again about the universal basic income and in many ways i view the universal basic income as the strongest move towards ethical uh, economy and an ethical label uh, ethical use of labor within a capitalist system as long as we have given up our power of choice to the authoritarian system authoritarian uh, government and we have to live with capitalism i think a universal basic income which would equal a living wage in my in my uh, argument a universal basic income of that kind would go very far in mitigating the problems. What do you think about that?
3: Um, I think, I mean, it's it sounds very like a decent idea, to be honest, and a very serious proposal that is actually even realizable. It's not too yes. far-fetched. But where would the money come from for the universal basic income? Is the government supposed to provide that money or is it forced upon the private sector to comply to? or. Well,
4: <clears throat> I think... Um The way it would work is that uh, anybody without a job would be paid the universal basic income and anybody with a job should be paid at least the universal basic income. So you would look at a model of um, shared responsibility. But of course, you know, there are several models proposed in several countries in the world and they all differ very significantly upon these matters with many countries proposing a less than living wage and then, you know, that is paid out to everybody. Yeah, but I'm in support of one where a living wage is guaranteed, whether or not you're in a job. Yeah, yeah, but I do also think that a universal basic income would reduce the incentive to have private corporations, and you would increasingly see nationalization.
3: Yes, yes. So nationalization will uh, grow more and more as a tendency.
4: Yes, and so you would see the responsibility the of. Um, the uh, ba- universal basic income falling financially upon the shoulders of the government.
3: Can I ask a question? Of course. After World War II, the, 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 the structure of the European economy was also in line with the welfare states. Yes. Right? Keynesian ideas, of basic income, welfare states. And it still led to neoliberalism in yes. the 70s, 80s. So how did that happen? Oh boy, oh boy. That is such an interesting question. I
4: cannot personally speak for the 70s and the 80s because what clouds my memory, my personal memory, is 2008. 2008 was the kind of powerful financial kick in the backside that cannot be thought about independently. But we also had similar uh, economic depressions in the 70s and the 80s, most prominently with the oil crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So what you generally see bet- between the 80s and now is that uh, adverse economic conditions push. Uh, markets to the right, push governments to the right. Yeah. And uh, what does that mean? That means that when you uh, nationalize uh, the labor debt, that uh, a government that is struggling, struggles to provide.
3: Yeah. 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 So nationalization did not, wasn't really on the agenda from the welfare states. And that's why it also gave enhanced freedoms to the private sector during the neoliberal age.
4: Yeah. And, And um, particularly to the international private sector. So what you had was an international cash flow, which slowly mitigated, you know, a global crisis. Yeah. In both cases, actually, uh, during both these crises. And of course, that is the strength of globalization. But the strength of globalization is a temporary strength. And if you had just, uh, you know, if on the other hand, you had forced uh, countries to kind of, pick their way through the mud out of it, they might have resulted in more protectionist uh, economies. Yes. But then the question is, at what cost?
3: Yes, I'd like to recall a quote by the Nobel Prize winner, Amartya Sen, and he was saying that the problem with globalization is not it as a fact, but the, with the distribution of its fruits. And that's really where the inequality takes place. That's really where, the, because then you would end up in situations where some countries do have the minimum, the basic income, but other countries cannot. Or exactly. do not Because of political corruption, because of etc etc,
4: Or because some countries outsource their labor elsewhere, like we said. That's still possible with universal basic income. Yeah. But thank you very much. Meow. I would like uh, Rafa to uh, speak a little bit about the cultural agenda.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a brief one this time. Um, as you guys may should know at this point, we are still doing the Corona Crips. We did so far 10 episodes and there's two more coming so far. Um, and there's we have some people still recording, but like if you would like to share your story or like a message to the world, like send them to us. Of course, we will see you in five minutes during our live stream. Um, our guests, well, our host will be Katinka, uh, with Zaki supporting her, and our guests will be Meow and uh, Vietnam War veteran Henry, like a fantastic guy. He fought for freedom, or like so he was told. So let's. Uh, Let's see what he has to say about it. As for the rest, other cultural agendas, um, I think that will be it. Um, Thank you, Zero for three. Thank you, RTV Maastricht. I'm trying not to laugh here. Um, The song that's coming um, is Make a Guess. It's Freedom, Rage Against the Machine. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Miao. Thank you, Sashid. We'll see you guys next week.
1: as a gift.
0: 2019 zat vol veranderingen. Zo ben ik voor mezelf begonnen. En begon ik mijn eigen boekhouding te doen. Ik breidde mijn bedrijf uit naar het buitenland. Ik breidde uit met een nieuw bestelbusje. En ik krijg mijn bestellingen voortaan door op mijn nieuwe zakelijke laptop. Of u nu al
2: jaren of pas net zzp'er bent, zorg dat u tijdig begint met uw aangifte. En vul hem zorgvuldig in. Doe dat voor 1 mei op belastingdienst.nl slash aangifte.
0: U luistert naar RTV Maastricht. 87.5 op de kabel, 107.5 in de ether. Dit is Ewald van Liend met het radio-nieuws. Volgens premier Rutte wordt het weer drukker op straat en in het openbaar vervoer... waardoor het besmettingsrisico kan oplopen en de druk op de zorg straks weer toeneemt. Rutte zegt dat het naleven van het advies om zoveel mogelijk thuis te blijven verrommelt... en daardoor worden versoepelingen van de maatregelen mogelijk uitgesteld. Dan gaat de horeca voorlopig niet open, net als de sportscholen. Het kabinet bekijkt nu wel overal voor 20 mei mondkapjes kunnen worden ingezet in het OV en bij de kapper. De Deense premier Mette de Frederiksen.